how the hell did we get here? Today's political climate has gone way more unstable than it used to be. A radicalized activist on the far left have worked to alter the political spectrum as we know it. Folks, sometimes even through violence and intimidation, ironically enough, because they're the party that calls us fascist, they've moved further and further to the left and they're just crying that conservatives are the extremists. It's crazy. Twitter's new boss, Elon Musk, shared my sentiments in a tweet. Look at this. He's saying that he's now viewed as a far-right bigot because woke progressives are pushing the left to the extremes. This is pretty spot on, folks. But I would actually say he missed the mark when it comes to the right. I actually think the right has shifted to the left a little bit. Take people like me, for example. I was never really a super far-right guy. I'm actually kind of socially liberal on a lot of things. But that was until the left swung the pendulum super far away from me. Now I'm left standing out there. And much like Elon Musk, I didn't change. I was left out there because I wouldn't compromise on certain things like gun rights or sticking with the gender that you're born with. Noble concept, I know. But the left can't handle that some people don't want to compromise their values because they say so. They can shame conservatives all they want, but like Elon, I'm not going to comply with whatever weird narrative the left comes up with on this day. And I'm not alone. The fact that our party leaders haven't figured this out is absolutely insane to me. Still, the elitist Democrats, they're going to cycle this following playbook. Listen to this. Stage one, they're always going to insult you, like we're seeing now with the Supreme Court decision. I'm, you know, I'm going to get into that in a minute. Don't worry about that, folks. But they say, you're so cruel to deprive a woman of her choice. Cruel, right. They head to their favorite shows on MSNBC, CNN, whatever other failed network they have, and spew their talking points, making it seem like Republicans are pure evil. Exhibit A would fundamentally change us as a country. It would fundamentally change the relationship uh, between women and the government. The willingness to trade off women and women's rights for people's own personal political views is sickening. Republicans should be ashamed of themselves. For a party that says that they're all about individual freedom, they're hell-bent on taking away freedoms from so many women. We're literally stripping the women of this country of their rights. If that happens, I think you're going to see repercussions like never before. Use the word woman a lot for people who can't define it. Stage two, identity politics. It, once, once that one hasn't worked on you and we still maintain our existing beliefs. Oh, you don't have a uterus, so you can't have an opinion on the matter. Look at this. How dare they? How dare tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body. How dare they? How dare they try to stop her from determining her own future? How dare they try to deny women their rights? And have it both ways, folks. Seeing how your party thinks men can get pregnant, you can't even define a woman. Your Supreme Court nominee could not define a woman in a legal matter. Unbelievable. This argument is pretty much dead to me as far as I'm concerned, but whatevs. At some point, they know that this makes them look like fools, so they're going to resort to the next stage. And here we are at stage three, play victim with tactics like, look at this Republican who wants to force a woman who has a raped, who was raped to have a baby. Look at this. Someone actually said this in public. I do wonder how these white supremacist lawmakers would feel if their little white daughters were raped and impregnated by black men. Dear Lord, I'd put that in the racist column, but that's just how they roll, I guess. When they don't get their way, they will cycle through this every single time, folks. But now, thankfully, Republicans are standing up to these games, and Democrats have resorted to a new tactic. They find the norms that America has historically held in respect, and they break them. 
Again, look at the Supreme Court leak. This is the first time this has happened in the history of ever. And it's also happened to be leaked on the eve of Kamala Harris scheduled to speak at a pro-abortion group. You think that was by accident? This was all coordinated, folks. Of course it wasn't an accident. This is the first time this has ever happened. You want to talk about precedent. They always use that. The party that loves to call everything the end of democracy or an insurrection, literally violating every social and order norm in the history of America. The irony is that the left is claiming it's the end of democracy because the Supreme Court has appeared to overturn Roe v. Wade, according to the leak. And make no mistake, this is the biggest rollback of human rights in modern U.S. history. Everything is at risk. This is an earthquake. Um, It's an earthquake for constitutional rights in this country. It's an earthquake for millions of women in this country. Honestly, I want to cry. Um, You know, I want to cry in so many different ways. This is just the beginning. Next, they'll go after gay marriage and and maybe maybe uh, uh, the board, the what is it, Brown versus Board of Education? Yeah, they already eroded our voting rights a little bit. So I see some, I see fascism down the line here. (laughs) No, no, and no, fascism is not coming down the line. This, these people are are crazy. This 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 decision does not ban abortion, folks. It does not, it has no bearing on banning abortion. You see, our Constitution has this thing called the Tenth Amendment, which states the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution are reserved to the states, respectively. If you're going to make an argument that abortion falls under the 14th Amendment or whatever other constitutional thing you can ram it under, the burden of proof is on you to point out where it expressly says that. It doesn't say that anywhere. At all. At all, folks, in our Constitution. This ridiculous Roe v. Wade argument that abortion was somehow a right is totally bogus. This decision does not ban abortions. So calm down if you're out there protesting in your tents without deodorant in front of the Supreme Court. It just pushes it onto the states to decide, which is literally the definition of democracy. Don't worry, libs, you'll still likely be able to abort yourself out of existence in liberal utopias like California if you want to. We're not going to stop that. But this is just another example of how far left the party has gone. Musk noted this, folks. Let's take a walk down memory lane at Obama's platform in 2008. Define marriage. I believe that marriage uh, is the union between a man and a woman. Oh, see, today Obama would be called a wild bigot for that one. Let's take a look at the Democratic Party platform in 2008. Their stance on the military sounded an awful like Donald Trump's. Look at this. Revitalizing and supporting the military, keeping faith with veterans to renew America's leadership in the world. We must revitalize our military. A strong military is more than anything necessary to sustain peace. That sounds an awful lot like Donald Trump. Even the Second Amendment, the left was closer to me than they are to their current position. Look at this. We recognize the right to bear arms is an important part of the American tradition, and we will preserve American Second Amendment right to own and use firearms. Where are they at now, folks? Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. That dude is the poster child for why I will never give my guns to people like you. How about law enforcement? Look at this. 
We support and will restore funding to our courageous police officers and will ensure that they are equipped with the best technology, equipment, innovation strategies to prevent and fight crimes. Whoa. My, 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 how things have changed. That sounds an awful like, awful like, like, like the Republican platform, folks. This is crazy. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. Wow. That's, folks, this is only... 12 years apart, then versus now. You see why people like Elon Musk have seemingly moved to the right? Not because they changed, because the entire paradigm has shifted left. Republicans calling the left crazy now. I mean, could you imagine putting a liberal, I don't know, back in 1960? They'd be laughed at. Instead of the Democratic Party being introspective, saying, oh man, we might have a problem here, they reflexively call anybody who disagrees with them a racist, bigot, homophobe, sexist, istophobic, phobophobe, and try to cancel them. More cowbell is not the answer here, Democrats. In fact, the left is going to get their cohorts in the media to write garbage like this, to try to make you think that you are in the minority. Look at this. American parents are generally fine with what's being taught in school. No, Philip Bump at the Washington Post. This is not the case. If it was, Youngkin would not have won in Virginia. DeSantis would not be as popular as he is. Sure, Washington Post, democracy dies in the darkness. Are you kidding me? This guy is a joke. The left, again, tries to turn anyone who opposes them into some kind of fringe minority. But we're not. We're not crazy outright wingers. We're actually mostly pretty center on the right. You know, midterms are going to be an electoral bloodbath for these libs, and they don't even see it coming. They, all the polls are throwing them in the face. They still don't see it coming. The people are done with it. The left has been punching Republicans in the proverbial face for the last 10 years. And you know what? You and I got tired of getting punched in the face. So we started punching back. This happened with Trump. Remember what I said earlier? That's how a fight works. If you continue to punch me and I punch you back and I win that fight that you started, you are not the victim. You're still the bully. You can't try to change fundamental principles that have lasted the time in America and then blame people like me who don't want to change. We're not the aggressor. That's not how reality works. These, these whiny libs are so used to getting everything they want because they cry loud enough. And it's gotten them this far, folks. It really has. And we've let them. But enough people now are so fed up with it. And we've just said no. We dug in our heels. This radical agenda has engaged all the people that just wanted to be left alone. And now they're going to answer for it. And the generation that is stacked outside the Supreme Court right now in an attempt to intimidate uh, the Supreme Court into changing their opinion after this draft leak, kicking and screaming because they, you know, have never been told no. They don't know how to react. So get a big cup, Republicans. Because if you keep fighting for the norm, not the far right, for the norm, you're going to have a sweeping victory this, mo- this November. We can't let this country fall to a bunch of crybaby liberals who are dead set on making you and me like to, out to be the crazy ones. When all we want, to quote a great president, is to make America great again.
All right, folks, we're nearing 48 hours since the news of the possible overturn of Roe v. Wade hit, and the left has gone absolutely bananas. And, of course, they're doing what they do best, pointing fingers at the GOP. We're going to talk about how Biden insulted millions of Americans. Yes, that means folks like you and me, folks. And stay with us after the show tonight. The battle for a prize Senate seat in a vitally important state comes to a head. Acclaimed journalist and anchor Greta Van Susteren moderates the Newsmax Pennsylvania Republican primary debate with the five leading Republican candidates. Dr. Met Oz, David McCormick, Carla Sands, Kathy Burnett, and Jeff Bartos. Tune in tonight, 8 p.m. on Newsmax to watch the battle over Pennsylvania. What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this MAGA crowd is really the most extreme political ex organization that's existed in American history. Right, because we're the ones out there burning down cities. That was our extremely, extremely hypocritical president earlier today. He didn't fail to take a chance to accuse Republicans that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, it could lead to LGBTQ, LMNOP, exclamation point, squiggly mark children not being allowed in the classrooms. Hmm. No, Joe, you have to remember that you and your Democratic friends are the bad guys in every scenario here. Nothing is better off now that you've taken office. And that includes the ones rooting for you at CNN, not so much CNN Plus anymore, but MSNBC, too. Let's bring in our panel to hear about what they have to say about us. Washington editor at The Spectator, Amber Athey, and reporter from The Daily Caller, Brianna Lyman. Welcome to the show. All right, so Biden. All right, so Biden insults million, literally half the country, 80-something million Americans. And this is coming from a president who campaigned on uniting the red and the blue, both sides. We're going to work together. He somehow never, ever fails to insult the entire Republican Party, Brianna, no? No, and I mean, since day one, the Biden administration has gone on a campaign to try to smear right-leaning Americans. I mean, you think back to August, they said those opposed to COVID-19 restrictions and lockdowns could be possible domestic terrorists. You know, the Republicans have been opposed to that. In February, they said those who spread misinformation and create public distrust with government institutions could be domestic terrorists. So what Biden did today is he tried to exploit an issue that ultimately is about states' rights to smear not only esteemed justices, the millions of Americans and what he did there at political posturing at the expense of the characters of millions of Americans who had no fault of their own are now extremists. And Carl, the reason he did that is because Democrats now have a huge obstacle ahead of the midterms. Yeah. They have to try and discredit not only Trump's popularity, but the power of his endorsement. Look at what happened in Ohio. Republicans who were endorsed by Trump did great. And what's the best way to discredit them? Smear them as extremists. Yeah. Well, Amber, but this is from the same party that basically, I don't know if they've ever read the Constitution, but the Tenth Amendment's pretty clear. And abortion's nowhere in the Bill of Rights. It's not in the Constitution. So why are they freaking out? People in California, they're free to abort themselves out of existence. And people in Florida can keep living. I mean, that sounds fair, right? Yeah, you're exactly right, Carl. But here's what it is. I think that a lot of these people who are out there being the loudest voices in favor of, uh, you know, endless abortions through the third trimester are dealing with a lot of internal guilt that they're projecting on other people. They don't want to be told that what they're doing is wrong because objectively they know that it's wrong. Hmm. And this is the extremist party. They're the ones who disagree with the majority of Americans who believe that abortion should be banned after the first trimester, if not after uh, just a few weeks when a baby starts having a heartbeat. So for him to turn around and claim that Republicans are the ones who want, who are extremists when they simply want to give various states 
the mm. right to make their own decisions. That's called federalism. That's how our country was founded. Yeah. It's just so backwards. And they're clearly projecting their own insecurities on everybody else. Yeah. Nobody has banned. But look, I'm, I'm actually somewhat socially liberal on a lot of things. And I'm like totally fine with this. I, I don't see any problem here, either constitutionally or morally. Like you don't want to get an abortion. Fine. If you do want to get an abortion, you have to do so in conjunction with the laws of your legislature in your state. Federalism, like you said. All right, moving on to the fake news, this outlandish freakout. I mean, the, the key talking point we've seen from all this is this. Listen to this, Brianna. The willingness to trade off women and women's rights for people's own personal political views is sickening. Republicans should be ashamed of themselves. For a party that says that they're all about individual freedom, they're hell-bent on taking away freedoms from so many women. And but if this ruling as drafted becomes law, this incredible uh, leak of a draft opinion, uh, it eviscerates women's rights. This is setting women back in so many different ways with so many different consequences. Oh, Brianna, now you can define a woman. Ironic, huh? Carl, you took the words right out of my mouth. It's actually <laughs> nice that finally we're coming to terms with what a woman is. But, you know, I wish you would have included, there's this clip of Joe Scarborough yesterday morning. He actually came on an MSNBC and he said that he's upset because should this draft opinion be the opinion that's actually issued, it would take away the voices of the voters. Carl, I don't know what these people don't seem to understand, but this draft opinion, it is remanding the issue of abortion, like Amber said, back to the states, making it a state's right. So if anything, voters will have a direct opportunity to have their voices heard because they will elect representatives who will put in place abortion policies that best align with their voters' interests. And it's the same thing when you think about guns. Some states have super strict gun control laws. Other states don't. It should be a state's rights issue. So the fact right. that the mainstream media is now claiming that this is all about women's rights, they're, yep. they're just trying to capitalize on this movement ahead of the midterms. We just want reasonable restrictions on abortion. I mean, that that's what they say about our gun rights, and that's actually <laughs> in the Constitution. I guess. Selling a baby, so why not? Amber, Common sense regulations, that's right. So, Amber, <laughs> you know what the greatest thing about uh, Joe Biden is? Is that he's been in the Senate so long to overturn Roe v. Wade. I, I, look, this is a New York Post headline. Biden once voted to overturn Roe v. Wade, saying women do not have sole right to choose what? Yeah, and, you know, he used to say that he was in uh, opposition to federal funding for abortion. Now he supports federal funding for abortion. This guy is the biggest flip-flopper on abortion, and yet he calls himself a devout Catholic. That's perhaps the worst part of it. And I find it really interesting that the party that was hand-wringing about, you know, undermining faith in our institutions and, and what is Trump doing to uh uh, all of our institutions, people are yeah. losing trust in the system. Now they're uh, downplaying the fact that this uh, draft opinion was leaked from the Supreme Court and honoring the person who did it as some kind of hero. It's, it's so backwards. But I mean, as, as we say all the time, if the left didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. Yep. And to all those people out there who were conservative but didn't want to vote for Trump, this is why we voted for him. This is why right here. So Amber Athey, Brown Alignment, we appreciate you coming here tonight. Thanks, Carl. All right, still ahead, the nation's still reeling from the stunning Supreme Court leak that could signal the end of Roe v. Wade as the high court faces criticism of being anti-democratic. We're going to break down what's happening when Greg Kelly reports returns. And you can catch me on Saturday and Sunday, every Saturday and Sunday morning, right here on Newsmax, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Wake Up America weekend. Folks, we'll be right back.
weekday night, got nothing else to do. I'm going to go down to the Supreme Court and protest. Well, massive uproar over the abortion rights as protesters erupted outside the Supreme Court and across the country over the bombshell Supreme Court leak. We don't even know if it's real yet. The draft of the opinion sparking outrage as it could signal the end of Roe v. Wade. Joining us now to discuss is Congresswoman, woman, Claudia Tenney, Republican from New York. Notice how we emphasize that we know the difference between men and women here, Congresswoman. How are you? <laughs> great. Uh, this is a great day, actually. Yeah. No, it, it actually is. You know, critics are blasting the opinion. But I'm look, I don't even have a college degree, and I can figure this out, that I don't see it anywhere in the Constitution. Therefore, under the 10th Amendment, it goes to the states. Seems simple to me, you know? Yeah, well, this is the problem, is you don't need to have a college degree to be a good citizen of the United States. The reason we have common, common language in our Constitution and all of our laws is because it's for everyone. That's what our, our Constitution is about. And all the Supreme Court has done is actually clarified the mm -hmm. fact that 49 years, there has been some uh, right that has been derived uh, through really tortured prose, tortured language, to create this right to abortion, which does not exist in the Constitution. Right. So this right is something that should be determined, as you say, through the Tenth Amendment, the right of the state. If it's not in the Constitution, it's up to the states, by the way, the last sentences, or the people to decide. So now yeah. we should have had this conversation 49 years ago where we could actually get into the real debate, the real seriousness of this. Right. And this is not a bad day for democracy. It is actually a good day for democracy. We need to have a discussion on this very serious and solemn issue. Yeah. And we are going to have that issue now. We're going to have that discussion. Oh, for sure. And, and the point here, too, it's like, I mean, look at everything else that is regulated by the states. The, the Second Amendment is part of the federal constitution, yet the states still regulate it. And all we're asking for is, I don't know, reasonable restriction on uh, on abortion. That seems fine. That's what they say about our guns, right? That's okay. Well, yeah, but the Second Amendment is actually part of our Constitution. The right to bear arms is an amendment that's enshrined in the Bill of Rights. Abortion is not. And so I am glad we're going to have this conversation. I think we have to have a compassionate, honest discussion about what is going to happen uh, around the state. You know, we have. A, yeah. I come from the state of New York. Late-term abortion is the law of the of New York State. So maybe, a, you know, New York state wants to be the abortion tourism state in the country, which is a terrible, horrible thing. Yeah. You know, I do. I do. I, I am pro-life. I'm unapologetically pro-life. I'm very sympathetic to women uh, who have to make this tough decision. But one thing that's happened since 1973 when Roe versus Wade was passed is we have all kinds of wonderful groups, crisis pregnancy centers, people who have compassionate care for women. So they make that decision to yep. move in the, in the way of pro-life. So there's a lot of great things we can do. There's more people willing to adopt. There's more parents that want to provide right. an opportunity for children when, it, when a mother in, that is you know, economically unable to do that cannot. There are so many other options for us. Let's explore that conversation right. instead of just having abortion on demand. And I want to just make one statistic that's really important. I've debated this bill on the floor of the state assembly. I've watched the debate. Uh, the Democrats want to say that all, no woman, you know, these only occasionally does a woman have an abortion. The facts when I was debating this bill back in 2016, 5,000 women each year are mm -hmm. on their fifth or more abortion in the state Gosh. of New York. This is this is a, an epidemic problem. We need to be kind, you know, looking at a kinder uh, look at this view of life and, and preserving yeah. that very first right that we have in our in our preamble, which is 
you know, the pursuit of life. But Congressman, five, I mean, like, look, there are people out there that are with signs that I saw that says, I wish my mom had aborted me. It's like, is your life uh, that bad? You have food in your stomach, a roof over your head. You live in the United States of America of all places. One of the things that gets me over this whole thing is personal responsibility. Look, if you don't want to have a kid, there's a number of precautions you can take prior to having a child, you know, and like you said, adoption and things like that, or maybe live up to the responsibility that you took and, and, and raise this child. This is just bananas me. I want to get real yeah. quick. No, it about is, it. It's really the it's the ultimate uh, decision about self responsibility, especially for women. You yeah. have a body that you need to protect for your entire life. Young men, too. But be careful. You know, yeah. when I grew up in the age of AIDS and uh, VD and all these terrible things, and we were taught to be very careful. Right. People should be. Very, you, you've got to take care of your body. And women need to do that. But, you know, yeah. I, I just celebrate it is absolutely disgusting to me. So, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, we appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Folks, the power of Donald Trump played out in a huge way last night, and it's good news for every America First patriot who wants to send the Democrat leaders packing this November. Stick around to find out why I'm even more confident that a red wave is coming. Next. Senator Chuck Grassley has my complete and total endorsement for re-election. He's a great governor. He loves the state. Has my complete and total endorsement. Greg Abbott. Governor Greg Abbott. I want to pick somebody that's going to win. And this man is going to win. Come on up, J.D. Carrie Lake, I'll tell you, she is incredible. She's going to be your next governor. And By the way, I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. That's a man right there who knows what he wants. He says it and he doesn't hold back. I have to say, freedom-loving Americans are right there with you, Mr. President, or former President, Mr. Trump. The former president's go big or go home style of endorsing America's first patriots who step up to serve this great country is paying off in a huge way. Last night's GOP primary elections in Ohio and Indiana, all 22 Trump back, all, not some, all 22 Trump-backed candidates won the right to challenge Democrats in the November midterm elections. Just look at that right there. It gives me a lot of hope that America will soon be great again. Now, here to weigh in on the power of the Trump endorsement as GOP moves its way closer to crushing the November elections. He's the former deputy campaign manager for President Trump. So let's welcome in David Bossy, Sir, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Carl. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. It's been a little while, but Look, this is huge. There were all these MSNBC pundits, all the CNN Not Plus pundits, because that's gone, um, that are all <laughs> saying, that are all saying uh, this is really going to test him. And can he be as influential? And he couldn't possibly. He won every single endorsement. It's really remarkable to be to be honest with you, Carl. I mean, guys like you and me who are around him a lot over the years understand his passion and his the power of his endorsement. You still can't win them all. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just really, really difficult. And his record has been unbelievable. And, and, and look, you look at what happened yesterday in Ohio. You look at what happened in Texas. I mean, I think between the two, he's like 55 and 0. I mean, that's not one, not one loss. Now, granted, uh. he's going to take a loss or two in the next month or two months in, all, in, in, in the hundreds of primaries that he's endorsed yeah. in. 
and it's okay. And, and, and by the way, the mainstream media who won't talk about those races now will only sure. make a big deal out of it when, oh, Trump loses. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Donald Trump's endorsement is the gold standard, and it will continue to be the gold standard. Next Tuesday is, is West Virginia and Nebraska, yep. and he has people that are running against his nominees. And, uh, Governor Ricketts in Nebraska right. is working, is dedicated to defeating Donald Trump's endorsed candidate, and he's not going to win. And in, and in West Virginia, yeah. Joe Manchin and, and, and some of the Republican establishment are dedicated to trying to defeat Alex Mooney. It is outrageous. Yeah. He, and and I, so my thing is, President Trump is endorsed. We're for those people, but we're also against those that are working against. Right. And, but the thing is, too, is like his message is still the same. It hadn't changed. It's like, look, I want to make this the greatest country ever. But according to a recent Rasmussen poll, look at this. It said more GOP voters trust a candidate endorsed by Trump than a Democrat voters <laughs> who trust a candidate backed by Biden. Who could have possibly seen that coming, right? <laughs> right. Well, for, first of all, Carl, I want to know who the 47% are that's still listening to Joe Biden. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's, let's try to dissect that group of people because they have serious issues. Uh, you look at what Joe, uh, <laughs> election integrity is an issue that's so important to the American people. Yeah. And the reason it's so important is elections yeah. have consequences. Totally and you look do. at what Joe Biden has done, Carl, to this great nation over the last 16 months, and it makes guys like you and my yeah. blood boil. I drive a diesel pickup truck. I paid 625 for diesel the other day. Okay, oh. so real quick, we're headed into a very important debate tonight in Pennsylvania. We're going to have all the coverage here starting at 8 p.m. with uh, Greta Van Struston. Another endorsed, uh, endorsement from Trump. What should viewers be looking out for when they watch the debate tonight? Well, look, I think Dr. Oz is going to perform very well. He needs to perform very well. Mm -hmm. He has done a very good job. Look, Dave McCormick is a solid candidate. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. There were solid candidates in the Ohio race against J.D. Vance, right? But President Trump's yeah. endorsement gives you a bump that you need to get over the top, or get huge. over that hurdle. And we're going to see Dr. Yeah. Oz perform well, and then he'll perform well. He will. Just two short weeks at the primary. Yeah, J.D. Vance was down. Now he's up. He ended up winning. Awesome. David Bossy, thank you, He was you, sir. at 6%. He was Six. at 6% before his endorsement. Yeah. And the president said, endorsed him, and now he got 32. Yep. Got to go. But, David Bossy, thank you very much. Folks, stay with us. We're going to be right back. All right, good evening and welcome to our special coverage of Newsmax's Pennsylvania Senate GOP debate. I'm Rob Schmidt. Good to see you tonight. You're looking live at pictures of the stage as our moderator, Greta Van Susteren, will welcome the five candidates facing off for the open Senate seat in the great state of Pennsylvania. The candidates are Dr. Mehmet Oz, David McCormick, Ambassador Carla Sands, Kathy Barnett, and Jeff Bartos. And there they are on the screen. Current Republican Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania announced he will not seek re-election this year, sparking this hotly contested race to replace him. This is a very, very important race in a purple state, of course. The debate is set to begin in just moments, live from the campus of Grove City College, a Christian liberal arts school just outside Pittsburgh. The race is garnering national attention as a total of 35 Senate seats are up for grabs this November. And Republicans, of course, are hopeful that they can win back a majority in the Senate 
They think they already have the House. They want to get the Senate as well. The debate will last an hour, and we will have post-show analysis as well. But now let's bring in Matt Schlapp. He is the chairman of the American Conservative Union and CPAC. Matt, good to have you here on the set. Good to see you tonight. Obviously, this is a big, uh, a big moment. Big who's, moment. The, who's best suited to win this seat and keep it for Republican hands? Yeah, well, look, yeah. first thing in this, like we just saw in Ohio, these Republican primaries are replete with top-tier candidates. So in this moment when our politics is pretty broken, you would think people would be saying, I don't know if I'm going to jump into politics. But we see the opposite. Dr. Oz, this famous television personality, right. doctor, Columbia uh, physician, uh, a, t- a teaching physician. And then Dave McCormick, former CEO of Bridgewater. I mean, this is as good as it gets. And these, these are the top two guys right now. These are the, these, top, these two are the top two guys. You have an ambassador, Carlos Sands, who was yeah. uh, one of Trump's ambassadors, I think, to Belgium. You have someone, Jeff Bartos, who was the lieutenant governor nominee. So it's, a, it's an impressive assortment. But McCormick and Oz are slugging it out to get this nomination. And how, how nasty has this gotten thus far? Well, you know, uh, pretty nasty. Uh, they're accusing <laughs> each other of some pretty heinous things, uh, uh-huh. like being for transgender surgeries for kids. And, you know, they're taking it off. They both have plenty of money to spend, and they're spending it. Plenty of money to spend. I mean, the, the topic, obviously, this week of abortion has jumped right up to the forefront in everybody's minds. Yeah. And Roe versus Wade. Do you suspect that pops up tonight on this stage? Yeah, I think this is a big, big deal. Um, uh, Dr. Oz has had episodes on a show where the comments he made and on some radio interviews where his comments certainly appear that he's pro-choice. Uh, Dave McCormick is hitting him hard uh, on those questions. Look, for the Republican Party, they decided that But Oz, Oz has said now, he said that yes. he is very much pro-life. Absolutely. And this is the thing. Uh, the yeah. Republican Party decided this a long time ago. Yeah. Pennsylvania is a very pro-gun state. It's a very pro-life state. It's got a lot of conservative Christian Democrat voters who will actually vote for the Republican in the general. So this is an issue I think they'll all be strong on, and they're going to all try to be the pro-life standard bearer. Right. And as always, with when you're in this position, you're in the primaries, everybody's moving as far to the right as they can. And then sure. once you get back to the general, you go back to the, a little bit maybe closer the to the The Richard center, which is Nixon yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. axiom. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Matt, stand by just for a second for us, if you could. One of the questioners tonight is radio host on Pittsburgh's KDKA News Radio, Rick Dayton. And he joins us live now from Grove City College. Rick, good to see you tonight. Uh, what, what kind of questions should we expect? I know you can't give much away, but what should we expect to hear tonight? Well, I don't think there's any question that one of the things that is going to come out, you were just talking about the Roe versus Wade situation. Kathy Barnett, I think, has a chance to really make some inroads tonight, and here's why. Kathy Barnett's story, 49-year-old woman, grew up in the South. She was actually born when her mother was 12, and she, her mother, was raped by an older man, a 21-year-old. Her grandmother simply said, all life is sacred. You are going to have this baby, and Kathy Barnett came in to the world in that sort of a family situation. There is no question that she makes no bones about her pro-life position because she lived through it. It was critical to her family. It was non-negotiable from the beginning as far as her mother and her grandmother were concerned. And I think that yesterday with the leak of that information that came from the Supreme Court, that puts a lot of people really wondering what someone like Kathy Barnett, a 49-year-old who has military background, military service, yep. is going to be a, a person to be heard from. And I wouldn't be at all surprised after this debate and in the next couple of weeks if she doesn't tick up pretty uh, pretty substantially when it comes to tra- tracking down Oz and McCormick. And we, we were just talking but before this all started. Uh, Matt and I were just talking, and, and she's already been seeing somewhat of a surge uh, in recent days. Is that right? 
No, there's no question about that. And I think that yeah. part of it is she has even accused some of the other people who are running here as being carpetbaggers, people not from Pennsylvania. When you look at those who are moving back into the states, Carla Sands, for instance, have been living in California, moved back here to run. McCormick uh -huh. had been living somewhere else, has houses all over the place. Mehmet Oz had been living in New Jersey, has a couple of homes there, right. a couple in Florida, and had been living with his in-laws and voting out of Pennsylvania. So this is also something that is going to come up, is going to be discussed. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it happens tonight that right. we will start to hear those sorts of things. Who really is a Pennsylvania? Who really is the one that is going to represent our state and represent this commonwealth? And we'll just have to wait and see. But I wouldn't be at all surprised sure. if those sorts of things happen and the gloves come Rick, off Rick, as, as you were talking, we watched them kind of take the, the quick prom picture there. And, and I, I believe they had Greta mm -hmm. up there and they had... I'm not sure if Greta was. Oh, yeah, Greta's right there. I see her. Uh, they had all the candidates, and now they're behind the podiums. We're still about nine minutes away from the start of this. Um, but, Rick, staying with you just for a second, how, how hot could this get tonight? I mean, I know there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of uh, animosity uh, between some of these people. Yeah, and I think that's been building. This has been a very, very expensive race. I and mean, when you consider that we're just in the primary stage and the primary is not until the 17th here in the Commonwealth, there has been a lot of money spent already. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, I think realistically are two of the states that are being targeted by Democrats, that those are flippable seats because Biden won in Wisconsin, Biden won here in Pennsylvania. And they look at a couple of those Republican senatorial seats that are open, Pat Toomey's here in Pennsylvania being one of them, as a target that they feel that they can win. So if they're looking at those sorts of seats, the people that are behind me on the stage right now, what they are getting set to say to the voters of Pennsylvania is very, very important. And I think that a lot of people will be tuned in, not only just here in Pennsylvania, but all around the country to see how the Commonwealth goes. All right. Radio host Rick Dayton going to be asking some questions tonight. We look forward to hearing them. Thank you, Rick. We appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Good to see you again. Good to see you. I want to bring in now chief pollster at the Trafalgar Group. He is the man who not only predicted Trump's win in 2016, but also called it right for J.D. Vance last night in Ohio. He has some insight on this Pennsylvania race. Robert Cahaley, so thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good to see you. What do you expect to see in the next hour? Well, I think what you're going to see is if Oz and McCormick have gone back and forth so hard, uh, it's just been furious between them. And it, it, these kind of races are kind of a game of whack-a-mole. And um, we've already seen Barnett, as you mentioned before, creeping up. And I, there, there's becoming a lane. We had her in very close uh, proximity to McCormick last time for second place. So I, I would be watching for these uh, candidates like Barnett to try to take advantage of the fact they're going back and forth so hard and uh, get licks on both sides because neither Oz nor McCormick can waste their time hitting Barnett and she's in a perfect position to hit both of them all night. Right. And, and you've done some polling here. We can we can actually pull it up on the screen if you want to talk about uh, your polling on these candidates. And there it is right there. You see Mehmet Oz has got the, uh, about a three-point lead over McCormick and then Barnett right there. It's pretty tight at the top, and then it falls off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that, and I, I think that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, there's certainly been some probable changes uh, since then. But what we are seeing, and this is pretty regular, is that as the these two attack each other, uh, people are looking for somewhere else to go and getting frustrated. And with the uh, positive messages from the other candidates are uh, this, this thing could very well get tighter. Uh, when they're spending this kind of money, the, there, is a, there is a pushback on the negative. And one of the things that Vance had enjoyed early was the same kind of thing happening. Is there a lot of a negative back and forth? And uh, when he kind of faded, everybody left him alone for a little while. 
Yeah. Who's got the, I mean, obviously they say that the guy that's in the lead usually has the most to lose on a night like tonight, right? So would that be Dr. Oz? I think the guy with Trump's endorsement has a lot to lose, but he also has a lot to gain. Okay. Uh, you know, Cormick and then Barnett right there. It's pretty tight at the top, and then it falls off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that, and I think that was a couple weeks ago. Uh, there's certainly been some probable changes uh, since then, but we're looking for somewhere else to go and getting frustrated. And with the uh, positive messages from the other candidates are, uh, this, this thing could very well get tighter. Uh, when they're spending this kind of money, the, there, is a, there is a pushback on the negative. And one mm -hmm. of the things that Vance had enjoyed early was the same kind of thing happening. Is there a lot of a negative back and forth? And uh, when he kind of faded, everybody left him alone for a little while. Yeah. Who's got the, I mean, obviously they say that the guy that's in the lead usually has the most to lose on a night like tonight, right? So would that be Dr. Oz? I think the guy with Trump's endorsement has a lot to lose, but he also has a lot to gain. Okay. Uh, you know, the expectations are high. Uh, especially after what happened last night with uh, with Trump and uh, uh, J.D. Vance. So if, if I were if I were Oz and I, I saw his last performance, uh, I would I would certainly recognize that the, all eyes are going to be on him. And this one's going to matter a lot more than the last. It's going to be certainly something to watch. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you, sir. Robert Cahaley. Good to see you, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, take another live look uh, at the debate stage at our cameras set up there. Uh, we've had our moderator, Greta Van Susteren, already welcome in the candidates. Uh, we've already seen them bring them in. And there is the stage and a beautiful shot there from Grove City, Pennsylvania. Our own Newsmax host, Tom Basile, uh joins us now with an update. He is in the room. Tom, what is the feel for the candidates tonight? Well, Rob, you know, I think Dr. Oz, he needs to win over the skeptics. He's got to find some way tonight to kind of break out of the pack. I think a lot of folks who've been watching the campaign expected him to to, to give, put a little bit of daylight between himself and McCormick, uh, and he hasn't quite been able to do that yet. David McCormick, you take a look at his background. He's got the credentials for this job, but I, I feel like he needs to kind of try to make more of an emotional connection with, with Pennsylvanians tonight. Kathy Barnett is the one to to watch. I think we were just hearing some analysis to that effect. Uh, she's going to continue, I think, to go on the attack, uh, and she needs to establish herself as the sort of legitimate alternative candidate. As the other candidates start to bleed votes away because they're perceived as not having enough to, uh, to win this race, is she going to then be the alternative candidate? Is she going to benefit from that? She needs to continue going after the front runners the way that she has, but she can't do it too much because that'll be that'll be off-putting and then Jeff Bartos it's always important you know he's the only person on that stage who's actually run for statewide office before he won a lot of the straw polls at the local level here early on in the process so uh, he's got a grassroots network be very interesting to see if if he can actually try to engage those folks and see if he can move his numbers but I, all eyes are on Dr. Mehmet Oz tonight to see if he can start winning over some of the skeptics and start pulling it away you think we're going to see some blows tonight, Tom? Look, I, I, I definitely do. It's, That's in, what everybody in, wants In to a see. race that is this close, I still think is yeah. anybody's game. You know, Oz is going to be with President Trump on, on Friday. He is going to try and, and have, uh, you know, he's going to have, want to have his J.D. Vance moment where, where Trump kind of catapults him further into the lead. Uh, this may be the last opportunity for some of these candidates just with a couple of weeks left yeah. to really lay a glove on him. So, uh, so I think you, you, you watch the attacks on Oz tonight. Right. And and then the next question becomes, uh, and this is the tricky one to analyze in a state like Pennsylvania, who is best suited to actually win the seat, to win the general election? 
Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And, uh, and, and especially since Pennsylvania uh, has a Republican legislature but a Democrat governor, it right. is a true swing state. It's more of a swing state even than like the state of Ohio uh, where we watched the J.D. Vance victory uh, last night. So uh, absolutely, it, you, uh, you, know, you, you, want, you don't want to necessarily have a primary uh, win for somebody who's the most conservative candidate because that person may not be able to carry the day. And a lot of folks are saying who were a lot of folks were who were surprised uh, at President Trump's endorsement of Mehmet Oz Mm -hmm. figure that that could have been part of the calculation. This is somebody who is a conservative. Uh, He's a strong he he considers himself a strong Republican, uh, but he is somebody who could also be attractive to suburban voters, moderates and independents. It's going to be very interesting to watch. And we've got a celebrity among the five on the stage, so that will make it all the more exciting. Tom Basile, uh, thank you so much for the insight there. We look forward to a very exciting hour here on Newsmax. Good to see you, Tom. So we're just uh, a couple minutes away here, um, and we've got this big night here, and we're back at the desk with Matt Schlapp. Um, Final thoughts before we get this thing fired up. So the debate's big, but also Donald Trump coming into the state for Dr. Oz. You can't undervalue the impact that's going to have on these polls. It's one thing when Donald Trump endorses someone. It's quite another thing when he hits the ground and does one of those mega rallies. So uh, he's got some benefits coming his way over the next couple of days. And and what we saw over the last just just this week, uh, you know, we watched the primaries. We watched Ohio and we watched Indiana and Trump did pretty well. I mean, it wasn't a runaway for J.D. Vance, but obviously he pulled him out of, I think, third or fourth place. But this is the the toughest state for that endorsement to uh, go on the road and, and see if it take somebody like Dr. Oz, who conservatives have some real questions about and kind of put them over the top. This is a really interesting one to watch. And who do you, I mean, how, how good of a shot does McCormick have? If he, if he pulls some pretty good blows tonight, can he, could he take the lead? Of course. Is it, this I mean, is, is what it, this race is, is it, right? I mean, I, I just, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, the guy that's got the Trump endorsement, you know, he's, he's already in the lead. It's going to be tough for him to lose it. No, Dave McCormick has an amazing uh, okay. story to tell. Yeah. And he's got a lot of great friendships, and uh, he's a Pennsylvania boy. And uh, look, let's see how they do tonight. We'll talk about this in an hour, right? Yeah, so absolutely. <laughs> right. All right, Match Lab, thank you so much. We are going to fire uh, this thing up here, this highly anticipated GOP debate for the open Senate seat in Pennsylvania, moderated by Greta Van Susteren. We're going to have you back here on the backside of this debate at 9 o'clock for the post-show analysis. Enjoy the show. <laughs> 